celebration of the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathan of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and the two others, and his, and his other two disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, Look her with you. And they went out and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you'll find some there. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it because there were so many. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. But they were out far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not more. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. They did the same with the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to them, to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt to go wherever you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten it all around you, and take you to where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to them, to him, follow me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart always be acceptable in my sight, O Lord, my Savior and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. From Psalm 121, The Lord shall preserve thy going out 
and thy coming in from this time forth forevermore. Amen. So in 2007, I had this interesting sense and a kind of calling that I needed to leave the church that I was attending. I was a member of the Anglican Catholic Church, which was a church that my parents had started attending in 1976 because my father thought that no one could ever play with the prayer book. And so <laughs> when the Episcopal Church did, he didn't know where the Bible would get its verses from with a new prayer book. <laughs> and so I was reared in that church. And it's a very conservative, traditional church. And my parents were not, they were conservative, but not terribly conservative in the church sense. They just liked the language of it. And so in 2008, I decided I probably needed to start looking around. And I went to visit the Bishop of the Diocese of Virginia, Peter Lee, and I said, I'm really thinking I want to come into the Episcopal Church. And he said to me, well, that's just wonderful. Um, it's going to be very complicated because we're in a lawsuit with the denomination that you're in. <laughs> As usual, everything comes back to a lawsuit. And, and I said, well, let me make it easy for you. Why don't I just re-enter the diaconal process? Um, I had been a deacon in the Anglican Church for probably 12 years at that point, And I said, I will start over. And so I did. I went into the Diocese of Virginia uh, diaconal formation and had no idea really where it would go and spent three years doing the um, diaconal program, which is run by Virginia Theological Seminary at that time, and had an incredible experience. Met some brother deacons and sister deacons, and we had a really great experience doing that. And on the day that it ended, so in other words, when you go through the formation process, you go through a whole series of exams. And on the last day, you have to take what are called canonical exams. And they sound a lot worse than they are, but they do have this big deal around them. So I took my canonical exams, and I had to go before the standing committee, which is the committee of the diocese that approves you for ordination. And when I went in to visit with them, um, I was quite anxious. I thought, oh gosh, this is it. This is the final hurdle. And boom, that afternoon I was approved to become reordained or ordained in the Episcopal Church. The <clears throat> interesting challenge of that was that afternoon at the same time, I received a job offer from Raven Gap Nakuchi School. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm in the Diocese of Atlanta. And that's where I'm supposed to be ordained, but ordination is not supposed to start until December, and I started a new job on July 1. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to go with it, and came to Georgia, into the Diocese of Georgia, with no idea what would happen to all my three years of work and if I would be reordained. And when I came here, Father Steve was hot to trot to get me reordained, <laughs> and to proceed with that, because he wanted some Sundays off on sermons. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, uh, he pastored the bishop, and I made several visits, and um, thankfully I was ordained um, here in this church in December of that year, right on time. And the interesting thing was, coming down here, we realized very shortly after we took the job that there was only one Episcopal church in the area. And so I had this great anxiety about, oh my gosh, if this turns out to be happy clappy and <laughs> lots of hand-holding and all of that, this is going to be a disaster. Not to mention I didn't know what was going to happen at Raven Gap. 
Um, you know, there's a new job, first time head of school, all of that. I thought, oh, Lord, this may be a short-lived experience, but at least I'll be away from Happy Clappy. <laughs> so when we, ca- when we came into this church, we immediately felt at home. We immediately felt like this was the right place for us. The St. James was the kind of congregation that we were going to be comfortable in. First, because everybody here was tone deaf and somewhat deaf (laughs) to my children, to my singing, to my kids' rattlings, everything else. Everything was cool on that front. But there were certain reasons why Raven Gap, I mean, excuse me, St. James became such an integral part of our experience in Raven County and at Raven Gap. The first one being that this is a place where we serve God by loving our neighbors. Um, It's amazing when you look at the St. James community and the intersections that occur with the community between faith, habitat, caring and sharing, community partnership. You cannot go into any organization in this county that's providing social relief or social justice and not find someone from St. James active and engaged. And that immediately spoke to me. It spoke to me about community engagement. It spoke to me about sharing God's love. It spoke to me about people who do what they say. And people who don't sit around worrying about condemning other people and spending their time worrying about what somebody else is doing, but spend their time worrying about making somebody else's life better regardless of who they are, what they do, who they love, how they identify. It's all about God's love. I say to the kids at Raven Gap all the time, and they'll know this, there are only two rules in life, love God and love each other. And, Ra- and Raven Gap and St. James live that out like no other, and that has made this experience so incredibly special. Secondly, I've come to learn through my time here that Christianity is a thinking man's game. Prior to coming here, I spent a lot of time worrying about the rules of Christianity, um, treating the Bible like it was a handbook for, for rules, worrying about which holy days I was keeping holy and what, the, what I was doing when I was crawling on my knees to the altar and this, that, and the other. And I began to realize that actually my faith might be further de- uh, deepened by spending more time thinking about it and engaging in it and engaging other people in an exploration of faith. This is a congregation where classes and lessons and book groups continue to challenge us intellectually. There's not a day that I don't walk out of here after a sermon or after a service that I don't think about it for 20 or 30 or 40 minutes, and sometimes it haunts me for the whole week, for the good and bad. Um, But it challenges me to think about it, and I really credit so much of that to Father Hall's presence in my life during his time here. Um, He challenged me to think less an orthodox and more as a person and someone who has a brain to use it. And I am so grateful for that because it has deepened my faith. Third, that I found in this congregation that Christianity can be just plain fun. Growing up Anglo-Orthodox in a high church, there weren't a lot of opportunities for fun because you were worried about what incense you were using because we changed it every season. Were we genuflecting and crossing ourselves at the right time? There was a lot of fire and brimstone in the Anglo-Catholic church. Now, I still love it every now and then. I got to admit, I love a three-hour communion service with lots of smells and bells and lots of women on their knees crawling to the altar holding a rosary. Love that. I don't love it every Sunday. (laughs) And 
Mary Demler's presence in my life and presence here has changed my thinking around much of that. She brings, Christ, she brings joy into the everyday of a church service. And there isn't a time when I don't, during the course of, the, of a service here, smile because she makes it so comfortable. And the other piece is that she makes every single day special. There's a specialness to the day when you're around Mary. And I work with her, thankfully, at Raven Gap some days during the course of a week, and it's the same way there. With Mary, every day is special, and I have come to appreciate that and has incorporated that into my own life. Church can also be your family. Um, I, when we came to St. James, we had come out of the Episcopal Church we were attending at the time, was this great church in Orange, Virginia, that had been built by William Madison's grandmother, and it had a pew in the middle of it where um, Robert E. Lee was seated when the, when the Union troops started advancing toward Culpeper, and the Confederate troops told him, you have to get out and go away and go back, go to um, Danville. And that pew sat empty, as did about 95% of the other pews <laughs> in the church. And, and it was a lovely church with an enormous endowment, thanks be to God, to keep up this beautiful old building and all of its antiquities, including some of the people in the pews. And, <laughs> but it wasn't a family. It didn't have the family feeling that we did to here. St. James has become our safe place and our haven. When you're ahead of school, you don't have a lot of friends. Um, it's very difficult. People, you know, they may be friendly, but they're not your friends. And it's very difficult for Faulkner and the children because ultimately I'm the head of school and ultimately everyone's housing and everyone's dependency is on me. And therefore you want to keep a little distance. But that's not the case for us at St. James. You all have become our friends, our family, the people we, who support us. You've loved our children through godly play. <clears throat> you've loved me, you've welcomed me, you've supported me. I want to take a special moment to recognize somebody who had an enormous amount of impact on me as I started my ministry, and that's Reginald Gunn, who always was so supportive and loving. And there isn't a moment that, or a day that goes by that I don't think about Reginald. Thank God for his presence in my life early in my ministry here. For your support and love of Faulkner, who many of you may or may not know was a Catholic, um, <laughs> a heretic in our midst, um, who through her eight years here felt the love of this church and about a month ago became an Episcopalian. Um, and so, as the, bishop, as the bishop said to her, welcome home. Um, and we found a grandmother for our children here um, in a place where we didn't have this close family, we found Evelyn. Thank you. My faith leaving St. James is stronger than it's ever been. This experience has showed me that God has a plan for each and every one of us. And if we will listen and put our trust in him, we'll see that. We will see that he has a plan. And St. James, for me, was a part of that plan, that he had the idea for you all and for us to all be here at this place at this time. And each and every one of you was meant to be here to intersect with me. And I thank God for that. And I thank God for each and one, every one of you. It is no coincidence that we are all here at this time in this place. It is time for us to leave this community. To, and again, it's time for us to listen to God's call. Sure, 
I never learned my lessons. I'm still very nervous, very anxious about leaving, about going to a new job, about finding a new church. Thankfully, there are about 20 of them we can pick from over there. <laughs> because the closest one to our home is happy, clappy, and weird as can be. Um, but I go with a little less anxiety than I normally would because I know that God's plan worked out so well here that it will happen again. The 121st Psalm is the school psalm, song and psalm and the school song at Raven Gap. And it speaks to us about the steadiness of our Lord, to his care for us all the time, about his commitment to our comings and our goings to taking care of us. And I read it for you one last time in the King James Version. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He keepeth thee and will not slumber. Behold, he keepeth Israel, and he shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>